When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. In today's episode, we have Dr. Duane Warren with me. And we are going to talk about the impact of leadership in the situations like what we faced in past several months called pandemic. You know, very unprecedented situation. The basic fundamental of how to live, how to work, went through a massive change, multiple crises unfolding all at once, no precedence, no forewarning, no amount of planning you can put in place before the pandemic arrived. The situation unfolding every day, new events, how to respond to that? Very unique challenge for leaders. And when such situations come in, the true leadership comes to the forefront because there's no fixed template for that in such a situation. You can't get enough uh, smart people around you who have experience on such situations. It is how you read the situation, how you take care of your own people, especially when your own team is, uh, is getting threatened by pandemic and your life is also at stake. You never know what's going to happen. It's a medical situation. Now, Dr. Duane, our guest today, he created a new way of leadership for himself to manage his business. And we are very fortunate today that he's going to talk to us that how we manage differently in such a situation where pandemic had created so much of uncertainty and fear in the environment, a very unique learning. Dr. Duane Warren is CEO of both Media Science and Hark Connect. He's a recipient of numerous awards, including the Australian Prime Minister's Award for University Teacher of the Year. And he's a global pioneer in developing new methodologies for the study of audience behavior. Media Science is a leader in lab-based audience research counting almost every major U.S. television network, social media platform, and many global brands as clients. While HotConnect is the world's most advanced qualitative research platform. Hi, Duane. Hi, Mahesh. How are you? I am good. It's, uh, it's wonderful to have you on the show. So it's great very, being here. Great yeah, being here. and very interesting topic. I have seen a lot of your talks, uh, uh, you on the TV, and I was very, <laughs> <laughs> very fascinated by the subject you deal in <laughs> and, and, oh, and, the kind, yeah. and the kind of research you do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, a, it's an exciting journey. We, we discover and learn so much every day. So I, I feel very fortunate uh, yeah. to be engaged in the line of research that we're engaged in. Oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, we are doing a, a series of discussions with, uh, with leaders like you on how uh, the leadership behaviors, I would rather uh, bucket into two, how COVID has impacted um, the leaders, that how they are leading and they were leading, what, what, what are the shifts. 
and how leaders are impacting the journey through the COVID. I will go there. But before that, uh, I just want to mention about your vision statement because I was going through your company website, the media signs, and what intrigued me most was your vision and the, the, the first explanation of the first word there. So your, uh, your vision says illuminating the media journey through science, innovation, and integrity. Now, it really uh, made me think a lot how you have explained illuminating. It says deciphering truth and insights in a constantly changing world. And uh, there would have been no better time than to have this discussion when in the past two decades, we, we all saw the world around us change with globalization, nationalism and popularism and geopolitics, business moving uh, towards the technology side, very fast changing. But there was a much bigger and humongous change, which was driven in human behavior, how the emotional react to certain situations, and also the impact on the mental health and emotions brought over by pandemic. So this really intrigued me. So before I go there and we progress our discussion, may I kindly request you to share a little bit about your company, because I find you do a lot of intriguing things there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, um, media science uh, was born out of my academic work. I used to be a professor and I, I ran a research center which um, recognized that people lack access to their own emotional journeys. Um, anytime you do a survey, anytime you do a focus group and you ask a person a question about their emotional journey, the response they give you is going to be the rational interpretation of what they think they must be feeling, which is actually very far removed from what they're actually feeling. Um, so this is the reason why research about human behavior often gets it so wrong. This is the reason why election research, uh, TV, you know, uh, pilot research, you know, uh, looking at what shows are going to be popular, movie research, all of this research keeps gets, getting it wrong consistently. I mean, it has a really pretty abysmal rate, which is getting worse, you have to say. And the reason I think that so much error exists in those measures is because they are relying on what people say. And if people don't know what they're really feeling, and if they're telling you what they think they must be feeling instead of what they're actually feeling, then you're going to have a lot of error. So my research center was very much focused on how can we measure human emotion directly instead of relying just on what people say. And so we turned to psychophysiological measures, galvanic skin response, heart rate, eye tracking, EEG, facial expression analysis. You know, people who are born blind at birth display exactly the same facial gestures as everybody else. So your emotions are hardwired to your face. And so if we can analyze muscle movement on the face, we're going to get very rich data on the actual emotional journey. So we began measuring these things more directly with really positive results. Um, so that's the background to initially my academic research. And we had industry sponsors to that research and a number of Disney entities were among those sponsors. So uh, one day in 2008, I got a call from Disney and they 
they invited me to set up their uh, lab. And we did that instead of doing it as a Disney entity, we managed to do that as a private entity, which is how media science was ultimately born. Uh-huh. It's, it's pretty interesting uh, the way you mentioned the rational interpretation of what they think or what probably I think what we all think. So in, in the times which are different during pandemic, uh, I think that will still hold true. <laughs> you know, how people are interpreting what they are thinking, but that what they are thinking probably would have an external factor also influencing it, which is a fear of pandemic. Yeah, um, absolutely. There, there, are, there were a lot of very unique dynamics, I think, associated with this period. I mean, fortunately, I think we're coming out of it. And in a lot of ways, I think there's another opportunity as we come out of it, which is there's another kind of dynamic, I think, that is taking hold right now, which is a, a dynamic of, of, uh, of uh, anticipation and hope. I think people are really eager for the pandemic to be behind us. I think a lot of parents right. are really eager, for example, for their kids to go back to school. <laughs> yeah, that was a normal life. Um, and, yeah, and, and I think that there will, will be a certain appreciation for a lot of things uh, as we come out of it. And, and so I, I think, you know, uh, there's a unique dynamic in the, in the post kind of pandemic um, period as well. So each of, these, each of these environmental factors, I think, do impact how we, how we look at the world ultimately. Right, perfect. And uh, you yourself uh, lead an organization, plus you lead the research. So I think uh, with the insights, your research, which is creating, definitely it will be helping you or impacting in what kind of, uh, you know, the leadership decisions you're making during the period. I'm just, when I say the period means the pandemic period. It's a pre-pandemic and a post, which you're now eyeing on, on post-pandemic. So this is what you were seeing. One is what you did in your, your lab. That, that's one piece. And how, what was your thought process moving <laughs> from going from pre-pandemic days to the pandemic and now trying to get out of it as a leader? <laughs> well, I think, um, of course, uh, you know, I lead two businesses, I guess. There's media science, which is the lab-based research. Uh-huh. And there's Heart, Heart Connect, which is a, a, a qualitative research product. Right. Um, and we launched Heart Connect uh, just on the eve of the pandemic. It was actually launched in January of, of last year, mm-hmm. of uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, it was designed as an in-person product. So both of those businesses were seriously impacted by the pandemic. You know, the lab-based business depends upon collecting data with people physically being present in the room so that we can put sensors on their, you know, on their fingers and, and track their eye movement and all of this. So they have to physically be there. And of course, with the shutdown, our labs were all closed. And then the, we released a product that we had worked on for three years and we were very excited about this release. We needed to market the product. You know, but it was also an in-person product. And that industry, the focus group industry, at least the in-person focus group industry, ground to an, a complete halt as well. So on both sides, we were looking at literally a complete stop you know, to, to the mm-hmm. business. 
And as a leader, of course, that is a very daunting prospect. And, and it's particularly daunting because you have no horizon for how long that problem will continue to exist. Is this a problem that will be over by summer? As, as many were saying at the time, you know, once the temperature gets warmer, then this will go away for a while. Um, is it something that's going to last for many years? Also possible. And you have to make decisions based on um, uncertain uh, facts, you know, based on conflicting advice, you know, the, the rhetoric the, of the quote scientific community was full of, of contradictory kind of statements. Um, very, very difficult uh, uh, crossroads for any leader to be in. But we made a monumental decision and um, you know, a, a lot of it was really driven by who we want to be as a company. And that was that we were not going to get licked by this. We weren't going to get beaten by it. We were going to uh, double down. Ah. We were going to face this with confidence. And so rather than retreat, yeah. we invested. Oh, nice. So at a time when I think, you know, like, like my biggest competitor was Nielsen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have a big uh, neuromarketing uh, lab infrastructure around the world, and they pretty much mothballed it. I mean, they reduced it to absolute skeleton. They went from 22 labs down to two. They let go of pretty much their entire research team that was supporting that. I mean, they really went down very aggressively to the absolute bare minimum that they could. Well, that's that, that's um, when is a very powerful point you're bringing in that how the two leadership positions are behaving. One is going heavy double down in seizing, uh, seeing the, the pandemic, uh, and the other one is just kind of mothballing it on. That's a pretty strange situation. Uh, I will take a short break, and after the break, I would like to continue with what went through your mind to go for a double down. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me uh, Dwayne, and we are talking about how he led his company during the pandemic, and uh, and also beyond that, 
what interesting things his two companies are doing. So, Duane, we were talking about how you doubled down. You were explaining as compared to your competition, which was going in an absolutely different direction. Uh, I would like you to continue on that. That's very intriguing uh, aspect of what you did in the business. Probably nobody else did it at that time. That's very unique leadership. <laughs> well, we knew that at some point there would be a life beyond the pandemic. We didn't know when that would occur, but at some point there would be. And I was determined that we would come out of the pandemic better than we were before the pandemic. So my goal was crystal clear. So the investment that we were making was a long-term investment so that we could be better positioned for the future. Of course, I didn't know how long we would have to carry, you know, how long we'd have to go before that, that future arrived. But, um, you know, so we, we, we literally did an audit of everything we did as a company from start to finish. And we sat down and said, how does this, how do we have to change this during the peak of the pandemic? And what would it look like after the pandemic? And we made lots and lots and lots of, 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 of changes to, uh, to, to who we are and what we did. Um, some of those were physical infrastructure. Uh-huh. Um, we, we had choke points throughout the building that were risks because they invited congregation of, you know, of, of staff in particular. One of those was the kitchen. We had a centralized kitchen and everybody, you know, during breaks, lunches, et cetera, you know, that's a very, very, very high risk transmission area. So what we did, which was great, again, long-term, is we created lots of kitchenettes throughout the infrastructure. So in conference rooms and other meeting spaces, we created smaller kitchens so that mm-hmm. we could disperse our, our uh, you know, employee workforce. So, and, and where there were ch- choke points in terms of traffic, in terms of people moving, we also realigned those. The, but the biggest changes to our infrastructure came with how we collected our data. So just to give you a little bit of background, when we collect our data normally pre-pandemic, a person would arrive, a respondent would arrive, we would sit them down, we have to connect all these sensors to their right. hands, et cetera. We have to adjust their eye tracking. You know, we have a, an infrared camera which tracks their movement, requires a high level of calibration. Um, so we have to adjust all that. Uh, so that's a lot of, uh, of uh, intimate, personal contact, which puts people at risk. What we decided to do is we decided to make it so that all of that could be done by the respondent themselves. So they would be self-administering. So we would escort them to the cubicle, place Mm -hmm. them in the cubicle, and then the person is responsible for doing all this themselves. And and some of those were just protocol challenges, you know, coming up with the training material, instructing people how to place the sensors on properly, testing that to make sure we're getting a good read, et cetera. But the hardest part of that was the eye tracking because the eye tracking involves this camera and you have to adjust that camera to get the perfect viewing angle, you know, Mm -hmm. which requires an adjustment in height and angle and tilt, a a lot of that kind of thing. So people were actually getting very, it's a very close proximity camera as well. So normally a person would have to lean in front of the person, you know, very intimate kind of like contact in that sense at putting people at risk. Fortunately for us, we had actually invested in the past year just by coincidence in developing our own technology to adjust those cameras using um, mechanical means, you know, by by remote control. Uh And so we accelerated that program and we deployed those in our labs so that 
a research assistant did, no longer had to come in front of a person to adjust the camera. They could actually do that remotely. So these were all the kinds of changes that we made to our protocols. And then on the Heart Connect side, it was, uh, you know, which was the, the qualitative research software, which had been designed for in-person qualitative research for focus groups. We redid that so that it actually could work with products like Zoom and Google Meet and all these other kinds of video conferencing solutions so that it could become a virtual solution. Oh, one more big change that we made, and that was on the media science side. We also invested heavily in kit that we could send to people to collect the data in home. So kit that we could send where people oh, could wow. collect, connect the sensors to their own fingers at home to collect the data. And, and you can see how all of these investments that we've made, they helped us, of course, during the pandemic, because for example, with focus groups, we could now collect the focus groups using virtual focus groups instead of actual ones. We could collect biometric data at home, or if we were collecting in lab, we could do it safer. You can see how that investment has really positioned us very well for life post-pandemic, because those are all capabilities that we have right now that we didn't have before. So we are stronger as an organization as a consequence. That's amazing. Now, when you were investing, uh, you're doubling down in the business. How did your employees feel? I'm saying, was there any reaction or the response or behavioral changes in that? Because during pandemic, people were saving. Yeah, th this was, I think, um, the hardest part and the one that as a leader, um, you know, was most painful for me. It was very, very, very difficult because um, we actually had uh, a, a dual challenge. On the one hand, we had the investment in the infrastructure that we needed to make to, to get through it. But on the other, you, we had a lot of positions that we couldn't support because they were positions that were for people um, coming in and, um, you know, attaching sensors to people and, and we didn't have any traffic. So literally there would have been nothing for those employees to do. So we had to make very difficult decisions. And um, the other thing is that our business uh, eroded dramatically because, um, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that we work with, for example, is live sports and sports came to a complete halt. So all of those contracts that we had came to a halt as well. So our business took a massive hit just because our clients no longer were in business. Um, so we, we had it really hard. And what we did was really quite dramatic. First of all, we had to let go of a third of our staff. Uh, those were primarily the staff that were um, involved in the collection of the data, you know, who had contact with people. Obviously, if we're not collecting data, you know, there was literally nothing for them to do. So that was very painful for us. All staff took a temporary 25% pay cut. That was painful for everybody in the organization, but um, you know, it only lasted for, you know, for most people, it was only um, during that time that we were completely shut down. So it was a, it was a short term uh, term thing. And then the, the biggest sacrifice was made by the senior leadership who all agreed voluntarily to take a 50% pay cut in that period. Um, so all of us as a company, everybody shouldered the pain. But the hardest thing was, 
how do you, on the one hand, make an investment in the company, and then on the other hand, cut salaries and let people go? And so there was also a need to explain the vision to the company. And that was a very difficult thing, but I have to say I was just delighted and thrilled to see, especially for, you know, the people who were making these really big sacrifices, you know, in their own paychecks, that, you know, as a team, we were really united around that vision. We all understood that above all, you know, we, we were not going to get defeated by this pandemic. And so it, it came down to, you know, the, the fate of the organization and who we were and people made that sacrifice. And as we restored the salaries, we actually started from the bottom. So we didn't start from the top. In fact, um, you know, there are still some of our senior execs who have not been restored, uh, you know, myself included. Um, so we, we started from the, 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 the bottom of the organization in terms of pay levels because we recognized that they were most impacted by the reduction in salary. So we began restoring as soon as we could. And most people were back to salary by about June once we were back in business. This is amazing. Uh, this is a clear case of a very strong leadership commitment to people because, as you said, there were issues. Yes, every business had issue. But starting from the bottommost level to the top, um, top took the largest cut, sends a very strong message that the leadership in the organization is leading from the front. If there's a cut, it's not that everybody takes equal. We take more than you. And when we restore, you get first and we get second. Or maybe the last probably in your case. So... I think it is pretty admirable, and I think uh, that would have created a lot of good environment in the organization. And uh, overall, in, in long term, probably it will provide a lot of benefit to the organization in terms of commitment. Yeah, and there is something else as well, Mahesh, which I think is also central to this, and that is that from day one as a company, we, uh, I, I made the decision that all of our profit would get reinvested in the company. And I cannot tell you what a phenomenal decision that was. That must it be has made, about. <laughs> No, it's an easy, it was an easy yeah. decision. Uh-huh. Um, but I can't tell you what a difference it makes to the culture, the psychology of who you are and how you think about what you do. Um, it's, it's just monumental. I, I, um, I cannot tell you what an impact it has on an organization. So for example, in this case, faced with this decision, all of our team knew that this was not about profit maximization. You know, that these decisions that we were making were not about trying to figure out how to maximize our profit, how to make sure our shareholders didn't suffer. It was not about that. Everything we make in good times, you know, the, the, the profit that we make gets invested into you know, better labs, better infrastructure, better support, better, you know, more staff, uh, better support for our staff, more software. Like that's what happens in the good times. And in hard times, we shoulder some of the pain. But in all cases, it's, uh, you know, it, it's getting invested in the company. So that made a really big difference. But, you know, uh, digressing a bit, the other thing that this does is when, when your profit gets plowed back into the company, you can be the kind of company you want to be. 
So, you know, when you were talking about our vision statement, integrity is central to who we are as a company. And it's easy for us to practice our integrity if it's not about, you know, just maximizing profit because, because the dividend of our work is a better capacity to do more work. You know, what we're really about is about doing good research. And so integrity is, is central and instrumental. So it makes it easier when that's your, your, your profit path. It makes it much easier to uphold those values that you hold as an organization. It's just a phenomenal decision, honestly. I, looking back at it, I cannot believe how instrumental it is to the DNA of who we are as a company today. No, I, I totally agree with you. This must be, and I was listening intently to you when you were speaking, and I can see the passion and the connect you have probably with your organization and, and the impact of what you did. But absolutely right, because if you connect what all you did, you know, when you are in bad times, you're cutting salaries, leadership taking maximum cut, restoring first for the employees and coming up, and then whatever is the profit, it is being reinvested for future growth of all the employees, that's phenomenal of the company, employees, everything. And, and, and not, not and giving a very clear signal that if there is any cut or something, we are not doing it to, to show a bigger profit or we want to impress somebody with how much money we are making. We are rather plowing it back to create a better future for everybody. And, and those are very powerful, very, very profound statements which which the organization sees. And uh, I, I, I can imagine if I was working in that organization, I would have tremendous respect for you as a leader to trigger those actions. Because these are, these are very important part of, you know, in the leadership, in, in the normal terms, you'll call empathy or leading from the front, all these kind of stuff. But this is basically taking all the right actions in the most uncertain times when nobody knows what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, even if you made those decisions at those tough times, none of us knew how long this pandemic is going to last, what is going to happen to who. We are not sure of whether, first of all, about the life of others, our employees, our families, our communities. What about yourself? You know, and, and, and in, your, in your kind of role in leadership, you're, think, you're thinking about everybody and an organization, plus at the same time, on back of your mind, it will also remain that, hey, listen, I have to take care of myself also. How vulnerable a human being is, it was very visible in this pandemic. It's a very strange situation. So uh, this is uh, very impressive. Duane, we'll take a short break, and we will continue our discussions after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And we have with us our guest, Dwayne and... Uh, very intriguing discussion, Dwayne, in uh, the last two segments. We are now in our third segment about how uh, you use your unique leadership traits and qualities to take care of your employees in, in the tough times of pandemic. Very impressive how you manage the salaries and how you manage uh, uh, the, the revival of uh, the salaries and compensations and how you manage uh, <clears throat> the investment into the business how those clear signals were given that where is the leadership part and where they want to take the organization. And I'm very sure that's going to give a lot of dividends to the business in the future and it'll make a a unique company with a lot of committed employees. Now, as we move on, I I would be very interested in knowing during your research and, and a lot of other nice scientific things you do and intelligent things, that what was the impact of pandemic on advertising? Yeah, that's a great question. So we did do some research exploring how advertising was impacted. Um, a lot of that was just our own R&D work. Um, you know, uh, most advertisers retreated. I mean, faced with the same kind of decision that we were faced with as an organization, a lot of advertisers were faced with that organization. What do we do? And most advertisers responded by retreating when in actual fact, what our research suggests is they should have doubled down. They made a big mistake. It was a missed opportunity for an advertiser. People were spending more time with the media than ever. They were more deeply engaged with the media than ever because they were all at home. This was a a golden opportunity in a lot of ways, but of course, you know, people thought that the uh, the climate was wrong for advertising. And even a lot of the advertising that did occur was very somber in, mm-hmm. in tone. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I think that was another mistake. That's not what people wanted. People wanted to be uplifted. They wanted right. to get out of that cycle of, of dwelling about this unpleasant thing that was so pervasive around us. And so what we found was that actually a lot of advertising during the pandemic was was as effective, if not more than effective, depending again on the execution. And, uh, you know, I've given some of it away already. The kind of thing that did not work was just informational, somber messaging. It's like the laws of branding don't go away just because we're talking about COVID. So good Good ads still had all those dynamics that a good ad has. They still had a very emotional journey that they were taking you on. They generally were uplifting or funny or positive, even if they were dealing with some serious uh, matters. And I might give you a few examples just to help illustrate what I mean here. Sure. So there was one ad which shows, you know, the employees of the organization. And it's very uplifting, uplifting music. We care about our employees. These are hard times. You know, there were a number of ads that were like of that theme. And 
the perception of those brands, of those companies improved as a result of the exposure to that kind of messaging. So that was, that was a positive. Um, another example, oh, there was a, a very funny ad for uh, Domino's. And, you know, they had this service where they would deliver the pizza to your door and then leave it there. So, you know, it was like a drop. I, I can't remember what they called it. They had some, some branding term for it, but it was kind of like they dropped the pizza and run. And yeah. they had a, an ad, which was a very, you know, a very normal ad. You know, it had, it had uh, somebody running in the house, like risky business, upbeat music, all that. But it still had a serious message that they were getting across, which is that they're going to drop the pizza off at, at your door. Um, so, you know, we, we, we found, um, and then we also did research on what the best environment was. And there were a number of advertisers who I think would advertise during the news, but they wouldn't advertise like in a comedy, you know, and they thought that like the, the assumption was that it had to be congruent, you know, that the emotion had to be congruent. And we've done a lot of work, which shows that that's actually um, a fallacy that you don't need congruency for ads to work, that in actual fact, contrast and mood repair is actually one of the things that ads, good ads can do. And so um, all of this, I think, way of thinking in the market was fundamentally very flawed. And the flaw, I think, was driven primarily because these big global brands just did not do enough research around the problem. They acted and reacted with their gut feel around their panic instead of doing good disciplined research to understand the problem and see what their response really ultimately should have been. So I think it was a missed opportunity for a lot of global brands. I think it looks like, Dwayne, that the financial uh, measurements in such a case of investment in advertising probably could have impacted the decision-making, but I'm absolutely with you because the opportunity to reach the audience and very focused audience, which cannot be distracted anywhere, was huge. You cannot get out of your home. Yeah, and I, I think you raise a really good point, Mahesh, which is it wasn't just that there was more available media exposure. It was that the nature of that media exposure was just so much deeper. You know, we were all engaged with our TV sets in a less distracted way than we were, I think, pre-pandemic. Yeah. And so that depth of engagement with the medium provided an opportunity that was there for advertisers, which most of them missed, quite frankly, because of, because of their, their kind of like gut reaction to it. That's very true because the behavioral changes driven by pandemic were very different. And if you see even in media, say TV is one, but beyond TV, most of the other media like sports, live sports, going to stadium, not available. Got out of business now. You can't play. Theaters were not there. So if you want larger audience, the, the theater-going audiences are also sorting to TV to get that kind of entertainment. But beyond that, the outdoor people, you know, who used to go outdoor or do some other activities, they are now constrained to stay at a place. They need a change. That's one second. They need information. Now, what is happening around them? That itself creates a wide range of audience for you, which were not available in pre-pandemic time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, not just theaters, restaurants, you know, yes. going to visit friends. I mean, really entertainment became much more, you know, focused around your, your TV. Correct. So that, that was a, 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 you know, that was a valuable, maybe once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. But again, you know, I think most brands miss the boat. Yes. And, and you know what? The, the more uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So to me, it looks like that if, if the advertising uh, leaders are, are, the, are the people in that business at that point of time would have thought what could be an opportunity to connect with the, with the maximum number of human beings was probably that time because even while people were eating, they may be switching on their TV to be, keep, to be keeping themselves updated about yeah. what's happening, which normally they won't do if they're going to restaurants or doing something else. You know? Yeah, and, and, and the failure was not the decision. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can understand, you know, people weighing all these, you know, considerations and coming to some conclusion, but the failure was the lack of research. That was the failure. Correct. The failure was, this was something you didn't know. Like, you didn't know what you should do. Yeah. Test it. Research it. Don't just go with the gut feel. It was an expensive gut feel to go with. They would have been much, much, much better off as organizations doing some serious research to inform their position instead of just 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 rushing to to to, to judgment uh, like a herd. You know, it was a it was a herd response. You know, and 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 uh, the, there were some advertisers, of course, who did capitalize, and I'm sure that post pandemic their market share will be greater as a result. So it, it was definitely missed opportunity for those who, who, who missed the boat. Correct. I think that was a new audience correct. And I'll tell you, I, I personally felt that I had a better connect with my employees, which I had in several thousands during the pandemic than before it, because just to be connected to your employees, when you physically cannot meet, you cannot travel, I was not able to go to my different factories, different offices, impossible. So it's from my personal experience, we started setting up group team calls or individual calls. And if I look back, probably I touched more people than which I could have ever touched physically going around when I had a clear intention pre-pandemic to go and reach out to people, be with them, work with them, meet with them kind of stuff. And that's one of our leadership role to shake hands with their own employees and, you know, give them a feeling of empathy and how they're wanted in the organization. But I realized, uh, although it was initially a little bit difficult to reach out, but it worked very well. And same is for media that, you know, uh, innovate the way if you use the research that how you could use to more people and maybe in advertising, the messaging could have changed, as you rightly said, that, yeah, we went somewhere in tone, but what were people looking for? They were looking for some positive news to be uplifted. You know, so some of those messaging, which probably would have come, I'm not aware of it, would be remembered for a long time. You know, these are like some of those ads which get remembered forever. So, Duane, very interesting discussion. We'll take a short break and we will continue our discussion after the break. When it 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Very interesting discussions, Dwayne, with you in first three segments. We are in now our fourth and last segments. And um, today we are talking with Dwayne on a very important subject, how leadership got influenced and influenced the situation during the pandemic times, some relationship to the past and some to the future, the lesson learned. Doing very interesting discussion on in the third segment about the impact of pandemic on advertising, what could have been done. Now, can I can I ask you to share with us a little bit more about your uh, other side with Hark side of the business? Oh yeah, sure. So as I was saying earlier, Hark Connect had just been released in January. Um, but it was released as an in-person product. And of course, immediately as um, you know, the pandemic came, the, the, the focus group industry in terms of an in-person industry died. I mean, there was no, no focus groups happening because you, know, you, you couldn't do it safely with uh, people in the same room. But what happened was it morphed into being a virtual uh, industry. So now instead of having real focus groups that were happening and um, on, uh, you know, in Zoom and, 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 and Google Meet and, and places like that. So, of course, it was obvious that we had to change our product from being an in-person product to being an in-person and virtual product. And that, that was a lot of, of work for the development team, um, especially because we don't do things, um, you know, half-heartedly. We, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it really well. One of the things I wanted was for it to work with every uh, major platform. In other words, have it be so that people could use it with Google Meet, with uh, Zoom, with uh, Teams, you know, with any product that they they wanted to. And so that was a lot more work on the development side. And a good part of the, the year was just spent doing that. But there was something I think that was a lasting um, legacy of what the pandemic did. And, you know, the way that Heart Connect was created to begin with is at Media Science, we work with, you know, Fortune 500 companies, um, most pretty much every major US TV network. And the reason we built a focus group product in the first place was because we were doing our, our neuromarketing style lab-based studies. And inevitably, a client would say, well, we'd also like to do a focus group with that. Can you take some of the people that you've tested on and have them go into a focus group? And we said, sure. And we looked at the software that was in the industry at the time and we were like, oh, this is so primitive. 
we can do better than this. And so we built a tool for internal use in-house. And our clients looked at that and they were like, oh my God, this is light years ahead of anything that's in the market today. You should take this to market. So eventually we said, okay, fine, we'll do that. And that's how Heart Connect was born. But the difference with the pandemic was that the kind of client that Heart Connect was working with, particularly during the pandemic, was mom and pop operators. It was smaller research houses, not, not your you know, big media enterprises, which is our normal client base. And what that meant for us as an organization was we developed a very different system of development, which was really based on taking any kind of like issue that happened for even a very small um, operator, a very small user of our system, of the HeartConnect system, and listening to what their need was, and then building the tool that responded to their need. So where normally I think we are working with the biggest clients and then working our way down in terms of making it available to everybody, here it was the other way around. Now, because of the pandemic, we were engaging in a dialogue with smaller firms and mom and pop firms and hearing their needs. And it led to a very different evolution for the product. So now Heart Connect has moved into very interesting spaces. You know, we have AI auto tagging and we have all these tools which are designed because we recognize the limited resources which a small company has and tried to figure out how to help them enhance what they had. So, so the product became so much better, so much more revolutionary as a result of a very different kind of dialogue with, which the pandemic took us to engage with. Well, that's a fantastic story. <laughs> and how much time did it take to turn uh, those ideas into real action? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. We, we tend to have um, a major release of the software once a quarter. And so we're working with the software engineers and the developers in what we call sprints, you know, and we're working on different features and we define what the agenda is for the next release. And then it all works its way into, you know, what what we then release in the next one. And some of them take a few, you know, take a few cycles and some of them we can do relatively quickly, but we have not yet tackled a feature that we could not deliver on. So if we can dream it, if we can imagine it, we can build it. Oh, that's very nice. Perfect. Perfect. Now, it's a very fascinating story, which I see, Duane. And uh, first of all, the, the field you are in, and this is very unique in how you research, how your companies do the research, human emotions, reaction, you know, eye movement, and your blood pressure, your skin movement, and whatever it is to capture and convert into relevant data to predict things. That's very impressive. And and beyond that, the the other most impressive piece is your leadership style, which you applied uh, from pre to post pandemic, which I'm very sure is going to drive a humongous growth for the organization. Very impressive work. Uh, Probably your team is done in doubling down and you leading it during the pandemic time in terms of plowing back all the profits which you're putting in, which is a very strong signal to the industry and also to the employees, when you had to take a pay cut for employees at all levels, and leadership sent a very strong message by taking double the pay cut which other employees 
got and uh, then restoring back from the, the lower level of cut to the highest level, which is at the leadership level. And, and that, that creates a lot of commitment to the company. It shows that the leadership is very serious about taking care of employees, taking care of the products which they're making and remain connected to the marketplace. So I, I, I really appreciate you for um, doing what you did as a leader because these are some lessons to be learned from industry leaders like you that how you behave in the time of crisis, very unique way to handle it, very unique way to give the right signals and also do the right things for survival in coming out strong from such pandemics, which can be pulling you down all the time. And, and I, I remember during our discussion today, you also made a comment that uh, about the advertising, what should be, what could be, what the human being was looking for. To be very frank, I agree with you. I was looking during those lockdown days, not days, months, of something uplifting because the negative news was clearly impacting the mindset. It, it, it was making you think in a very depressing way about as the things were progressing, as the cases were going up and a lot of people were getting impacted and life was getting constrained. So I thank you so much. Unfortunately, we are at the end of our segment four and we have run out of time. Very interesting discussion. And thank you for being on the show today. Well, and thank you, Mayesh. It was a, it was a very uh, enjoyable journey. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.